to the NXT Podcast, your home for weekly NXT reviews and insight. The beautiful part of NXT is that when one dream ends, another dream begins. Find all of your NXT news, recaps, and analysis right here. So with that being said, we only have one question for you. Are you We thought so. Let's get the show started right now. Oh, man, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the NXT podcast. I know, I know. It's Friday. Why is this this out late, Zach? Well, your friendly NXT host caught him uh, a case of the COVIDs and uh, is just now able to breathe well enough to put together some sentences here so we're gonna fight through this together because i love you guys and i love recording these episodes now we have an all right episode of nxt to talk about here we have some stuff happening um you know it's it's uh it's a fun time to be a wrestling fan you know so before we get started you can find me on twitter I'm at ZachNXT, that's at Z-A-C-H-N-X-T, we're talking wrestling and other fun stuff over there. And generally, before we get started, uh, we talk about news and notes, stuff that's going on in WWE. Well, two kind of big things happening here. We're going to start with the smaller one, and that's Ric Flair. For some reason, Ric Flair has a podcast. Um, It's not with... Um, it's not with Conrad Thompson. It's, it's, I believe it's Mark Madden and him. Um, and, uh, since no wrestling company in their right mind would or should, uh, hire him and he kind of wanted to be away from WWE to explore other things. And then that dark side of the ring came out and revealed him to be a huge piece of crap, um, that we shouldn't support. And so now he does the next best thing, which is a podcast. And if I'm honest with you, I never really thought... I always thought of Ric Flair as just a a playboy having consensual uh, affairs with a bunch of women because he kind of lived the gimmick. It didn't really occur to me, and that's my fault, that he was essentially um, allegedly sexually assaulting people. And I've said this quite a few times on this podcast. I don't know... If you guys are anything like me, but I have a really hard time separating art from artists. So now that I know this about Ric Flair, I can't really enjoy his matches, and I certainly don't want to hear anything he has to say about wrestling. Uh, In the ring, one of the greatest professional wrestlers ever, one of the best promos ever, and I don't care. His legacy is, is nothing for me. So, he's talking about Brian Danielson, and basically said that Brian Danielson is not Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as a good guy and is not Ric Flair as a bad guy. Um, so he also said that um, that Triple H made him in that WrestleMania 30 match that they had. Few problems. Um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is a legend. When you think of baby faces in wrestling, that is the person you think of. Was never a bad guy. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen any, or rather very many baby faces ever over to the level that Brian Danielson was, or Daniel Bryan in the WWE. 
I don't know what he means by he's not as good of a good guy. Uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson is one of, if not the greatest professional wrestlers I've ever seen step into a ring. He's he's Ric Flair, except he doesn't use the same routines. He's dynamic. And he has more crowd support than consistently than Ricky the Dragon Steamboat did. As a bad guy, he's not Ric Flair. I, I don't know what that is supposed to mean. Um, yeah, he wasn't always the champion. Um, early in his career, he wasn't the promo guy Rick was. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why every bad guy would have to be Ric Flair. Um, except that, you know, Rick becomes less relevant every single day. And so the only way to keep himself relevant is bad attention is better than no attention. Um, as far as Triple H making him at WrestleMania 30, that does not make any sense. Uh, if you will remember, the reason that that had to happen, that opening match of WrestleMania 30, is so that Daniel Bryan could be added to the championship match between Randy Orton and Batista, because Batista won the Royal Rumble and Randy Orton was the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And WWE thought that Randy Orton Batista would be a great WrestleMania main event. And well before Triple H was going to have a match with him, Daniel Bryan was the most over person that they had had probably since Stone Cold Steve Austin, and the fans refused for Daniel Bryan not to be in the main event. Daniel Bryan was over the moon. Did the Triple H match help? Probably. Was it necessary? Not at all. And did it make him? Not even a little bit. I would argue Daniel Bryan made Triple H in that match. Daniel Bryan did not need any help from Triple H in the ring or outside of it. Daniel Bryan made Triple H look really good in an advanced stage of Triple H's career because you look at some of the other times he steps in the ring. If he steps in against Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins or Sting... Depending on his opponent, he needs the right person in there with him. Daniel Bryan, best wrestler in the world, made Triple H, not the other way around. All in all, would love for Ric Flair to just be quiet and quietly fade away uh, into the ether where we do not have to think about him. And, um, you know, if you like his podcast, uh, more power to you, but I'm never going to listen to an episode. But it was in the news, so unfortunately I had to watch the clip and, uh, yeah, hopefully I don't ever have to talk about him again. Also, big surprise, Kevin Owens re-signs with WWE, it's being reported. I thought, I thought that Adam Cole was a lock to go to AEW when his contract was up. I absolutely thought Kevin Owens was a lock to go to AEW. There's been several times where Kevin Owens has said, when he's on SmackDown, he needs to go to Raw, or when he's on Raw, he needs to go to SmackDown because he's not being used well. He's not really a character that's taken seriously. They've used him better as of late, but I promise you that's only because they wanted him to resign. He'll be back to doing nothing soon. So there's two sides of this. One, I'm shocked, and I, I think he made the wrong choice. But I do say that as somebody who, you know, Kevin Owens is one of my favorite wrestlers, you know, given the day he he can be my favorite wrestler it's kind of a rotating uh, jumble of guys and um, I legitimately think that AEW would have been a better platform for his skills and 
unscripted promos, and I think that he would have been better off. Now, on the other hand, he is the one that has to make that decision for him, for his family, and maybe he got a better offer from WWE than he would have from AEW. And if that's the case, more power to him. I don't know how long he's going to wrestle. Maybe he wanted to take the financial security of WWE and the certainty, whereas an Adam Cole wanted to go for the creative outlet. Um, so I cannot blame anybody for you know, wanting that financial security. I mean, he has a wife, he has a kid, he has things to, to think about. And that's fine. I will say that if he's cool with his WWE booking, I've seen this a few times on Twitter, I'm certainly not going to keep getting mad about his WWE booking because by re-signing with them, Kevin seems like a smart guy. I don't think he's of the opinion that, oh, now I re-sign, now everything's going to be different. No, they treat people really nice when they want them to re-sign and then they get you under contract and you just you go back to whatever you were and... Kevin is not a guy that they generally take very seriously. He's not going to be one of their guys. And so that's going to continue to happen for however long this deal is. And I'm not going to complain about it. Because if Kevin's fine with it, then I'm not interested in going to bat for somebody that is fine with their position. And I don't mean that in a salty way or a shade to Kevin Owens. I mean, if this is good enough for Kevin Owens... If he cares more about the financial security and safeness of it than the creative part of it, then that is fine. I thought he was going to make a different decision than that. I thought he should have. I would have if I were him, but he didn't. And so whatever happens in WWE now, that's what he signed up for. So unfortunately, Kevin Owens stays in WWE. Starting with NXT, we get a recap of Johnny's goodbye last week. He's been on Twitch talking about how he'd love to work with Kenny Omega. He's been talking about Brian Danielson. So, feels like he may pop up somewhere after uh, Candice has the uh, baby, I believe. He said that was in February. Um, he'd be a perfect fit for AEW. I'd love to see him with Brian Danielson. I think I would love to see them just take a whole like Friday night show and just have that be a entire show match like they used to do in lucha underground where they would have a match that doesn't have a time limit and they have to keep cutting stuff from the show because the match isn't over yet love to see johnny wrestling and brian danielson do that that would be fantastic at the end of johnny's speech here in nxt he's attacked by grayson waller great heat for grayson waller on the way out i don't think that's any indication that johnny's coming back i think he just wanted to help somebody on the way out for some reason, we're doing Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson in a no-holds-barred match, which I think was another hair versus hair. Um, Duke is wearing a wig and uh, the ear protection thing that wrestlers sometimes wear. I'm not sure why we are still doing this. It, it does not matter. Now the good guy has already won, and wouldn't you know it, Cameron Grimes wins again, takes off Duke Hudson's headgear, and how embarrassing. Duke Hudson's bald. Let's all laugh at him. He looks so dumb. He looks fine. So... Hopefully that's over now, I guess. I don't know why we did two matches. Grayson Waller's out. He's talking smack to everybody. Talk smack to Wade Barrett. He says he's not afraid of him. This isn't 2010. I couldn't care less what you think of me. Boy, oh boy, I'd love to see Barrett back in the ring. He says to Vic, I did that last week to your best friend in front of you, and you didn't do a single thing. 
That is a fair point. He says, remember that. It shows what kind of man you are. Again, fair enough. Love when a bad guy is a jerk but makes good points. Grayson says, I don't need friends or family or anything or any of you. The only thing I need to go to the top of this industry is Grayson Waller. I love this character change. He did not feel important before. This is a potential main event bad guy that they have now. And that is the beauty of what Johnny did for him. Because you needed something big to take Grayson Waller from low uh, mid-card to potential main eventer. And it's hard to get really, really good heat on somebody and make people really hate them and not think that they are cool. But I, I think that if, for example, if you're going to have Braun Breaker be your champion, your good guy champion, you need strong main event or potential main event bad guys to go up against him. And Grayson Waller can go into a program for the NXT title. Even if he loses, he can still be a strong bad guy. And that's, the again, the beauty of what Johnny did is it along with Grayson now stepping up his game and coming off like a real a-hole now, you can put him in main events. And I hope that they do. The announcers say that they will take the high road and Grayson isn't even verified on social media. That is such a lame WWE comeback. This was such a good segment. And then that clearly written line of he's not even verified just takes you right out of it. MSK visits Shaman Matt Riddle again. Still a perfect choice for Shaman. Back from break, Harland is here for his first match. Joe Gacy is accompanying him. Harland has all the tools you could want, but he's still very new, and this gimmick is dumb. Uh, rapper Westside Gun is here. Announcers say specifically he wanted to see Harland's debut. Dude, you should go to AEW. It's going to be a much more fun show. And I don't know why you'd be here specifically to see Harland. I don't know why Westside Gun would want to see Harland that bad. They also plugged that Migos will be at WWE Day 1. Cool. I'm sure WWE thinks that's a huge deal. And you will never talk them out of that being a big deal. Any celebrity could be Jake Paul. Kevin Federline, could be anybody. WWE thinks it's a big deal, and it isn't. Um, Amigos fan is not going to get Peacock to watch day one to watch Migos and then continue to watch WWE. There's That's, that's not going to happen. If that would happen, then their numbers would have been a lot higher from Bad Bunny, and they weren't. People watched it when Bad Bunny was around, and then those fans didn't stick around. But whatever, WWE thinks it's a big deal, so we're doing it. And kudos to, to Migos and West Side Gun. I'm sure they're making money off of it, and they should. Enhancement talent for this match is already in the ring. Harlan bashes the dude's head into the mat a bunch. The dude tries to fight back, but Harlan lifts him up for a back suplex and then does kind of an elevated kind of rock bottom thing. Harlan wins. Didn't see a lot, but whatever. His theme sounds like an early 2000s WWE theme. Goes to the apron. Joe Gacy asks if he feels better. Harlan shakes his head no, and they come back into the ring, and Harlan keeps slamming the dude's head. People, referees and everybody are trying to stop Harlan, but Joe Gacy stops him, and they leave. Harlan's theme now plays for a third time. Uh, Harlan could be a star in WWE. He probably won't be. 
and that has nothing to do with him. It's it's because of WWE. He has a bad gimmick uh, right now, and WWE has a bad habit of seeing you as your gimmick, which is a thing that WWE gives you. And he is the strong, silent monster, and that's fine, except WWE is going to keep him a strong monster, so he's never going to get the promo time or time to feel out how he acts as like a normal person and your stature and how you act and how you cut promos is what WWE cares about not your character and so they are setting him up for failure Um, he's not going to be polished in a promo department because he's not going to have a chance to do it and then eventually down the road he's not going to be a star and WWE will say oh he didn't have it and that's because he was set up for failure. Now, I certainly hope that I am wrong, and I hope he goes on to the main roster and becomes a huge deal. It's much more likely that he won't be polished because they didn't set him up to be, and then he's just released one day, and then somebody else uses him correctly. Again, that has nothing to do with Harlan the person. That has everything to do with the terribly broken system that WWE has set up. So... Eli Drake is arriving at the arena in a very nice car. He says that Waller threw a hissy fit last week after he attacked Johnny and got mad because L.A. Knight uh, got the girl that Grayson Waller wanted. He says he's walking into the building, tells Grayson to come find him if he doesn't find him first. Cora Jade is making her entrance. She feels like a bigger deal now than she did before War Games. They are putting her over very well. This is this is what they do um, when they are starting to make a star. Um, you put her in the War Games match with really established talent so that it's certain that, you know, they're going to have a good match and a good showing. Cora Jade is the one that got the pinfall victory. Before that, she got a albeit distraction roll-up on the NXT Women's Champion, which is still a big deal. If you pin the champion, you should get a title match at some point. That's not always true in WWE, but in NXT, it usually is. And now she's coming out and facing Dakota Kai. So now she's featured on TV more. She's taken a little bit more seriously as a character. It weaves back into Dakota coming back and beating her up when Dakota was uh, was coming back as this new, weird, terrible character. So I don't know what we're doing with Cora Jade. I don't know if Cora is going to be the one to take that NXT title off of Mandy Rose. I think it's too soon to do that. I think Cora could absolutely be the person. You're going to have to keep distracting her away from Mandy Rose with side feuds in order to do that and feed people to Mandy Rose. But you could have a situation like down the road, months and months and months down the road where... Cora Jade has stacked up wins and still has that pinfall victory over Mandy and just hasn't had the chance to have the one-on-one match because she's been in other feuds. I could absolutely see and would say at this point that I think several months down the road, Cora Jade's going to be the person that it makes the most sense story-wise and character-wise for her to be the one that beats Mandy Rose for that NXT women's title. Now, Toxic Attraction still is very early in their run, so I'm not saying take it off them like next month or anything. But I could see a situation, you know, a while down the road, 
if they do this correctly, which there absolutely is no guarantee they will, she is just as likely to in three months feel like not a big deal at all than she is to feel like the person that should absolutely take the title off of Mandy. Look at Roman Reigns. When this started with Roman Reigns as Universal Champ, everyone was really excited because he was dominant, and you knew that you could take a young, new star, build them up at the same time, and eventually at WrestleMania finally dethrone the tribal chief and make somebody, and then that Roman Reigns character could go on. Well, now people are getting bored of the Roman Reigns character because the people that feud with him through no fault of Roman don't come out better for it, whether it's either of the Usos or Kevin Owens or Edge. Really anybody. Brock Lesnar won't either. Sami Zayn certainly didn't. It it just kind of fizzles out. And at the same time, you didn't build anybody up. People thought Big E was going to be the guy, but then... You wanted a rating, so you had him beat Lashley. Now he's the WWE champion. Don't get me wrong. I love Big E as WWE champion. But you've left yourself in a situation where now it's just going to be Drew McIntyre. Because that's the only person that it could be. So it could just as easily be that, where they just default to somebody else. But Cora Jade could be a star, and if I were in charge of NXT my pillars of NXT going forward would be Cora Jade, it would be Toxic Attraction, it would be Braun Breaker, but I don't run it. And, you know, what do I know? I've never run a wrestling company, blah, 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 blah. Mandy Rose is at ringside. Her and Cora stare each other down. Mandy will be on commentary. Again, Cora is facing Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai is still acting weird for no discernible reason. Late in the match, Dakota is set to use the shovel after Cora wins. Uh, she's going to hit Cora, but Raquel Gonzalez comes in, takes out Dakota Kai, and they fight off screen. Cora is now alone in the ring. And Gigi Dolan and JC Jane make their entrance. So Cora is busy looking at them and for some reason forgets that Mandy Rose is there. Mandy attacks Cora from behind, and Toxic Attraction raise their title belts and leave. Plus side, they didn't go on and on about how hot Toxic Attraction is this time. And Toxic Attraction were wearing like actual clothes, not, oh my god, these chicks are so hot clothes. So they just looked like a heel team of champions taking out the underdog babyface that could eventually dethrone them, which was awesome. Turns out these women are really, really talented and you don't have to fall back on, oh my god, they're so hot. Who would have thought? Back from break, Andre Chase is out here to face Tony D'Angelo. That's a hard voice to do when I can't breathe very well. We'll fight through it. Tony D'Angelo very quickly beats Andre Chase. Um, At War Games, Tony took uh, Pete Dunne's mouthpiece out of his mouth, which is a weird thing to do. Uh, And now he has it in like a glass uh, trophy case. Tony says, ever since I got to NXT, I backed up everything I said I would do. Took care of Andre Chase. I guess I'm head of the class now. That's a pretty good line. At War Games, I said I'd smack Pete Dunne right in his mouth. He's at that point interrupted by Pete Dunne. It's weird that it took Pete so long to come out. Like, this dude has your mouthpiece like a weird serial killer. That's weird. You should come get it back. Or, alternatively, you shouldn't be so mad at him because you have a backup mouthpiece. I don't know. Pete says you do a lot of talking for someone with no track record. I'm about to get in that ring. Let's see that same energy face-to-face. Tony does not have that same energy. Says you have a face only your mother would love. You're missing something, right? He points to the mouthpiece. He says, I've got business to handle, so next week we can figure it out. He have I have uh, dealings with a guy, dealing with things. Goes to walk out of the ring, tries to cheap shot Pete Dunn, but he gets his finger snapped. 
Uh, Pete goes over to the jaw that has the mouthpiece and he crushes the jaw with his foot instead of just lifting up the jaw for some reason and then takes the mouthpiece and puts it in his mouth. I think they did it that way because it was supposed to seem cool that Pete Dunne kicked, uh, stomped down on the glass and didn't care that there was probably glass in his mouthpiece. Um, I think that's what that was supposed to be, but it didn't look cool. It looked like it was breakaway like plastic or something. And also, it's weird that, like, he didn't clean the mouthpiece first. That's, like, that's probably going to be an infection or something. Like, I don't, I don't know. But probably next week, they'll have a match or something. I don't know. Whatever. Weird use of Pete Dunne, but that's fine. Grayson arrives in the locker room. He tries to dap up Braun Breaker, but Braun says he isn't welcome in the locker room. Everyone in the locker room agrees with him, and he is kicked out. He grabs his stuff and says, real stars have their own locker rooms. So I think we're subtly setting up that Braun is a locker room leader, which, I don't know, maybe he is. Feels like it's probably Champa, but I don't know. But that's what they were kind of subtly telling you there. Brian Kendrick, who is now a coach, is being looked at by medical staff. Harlan was in the back beating people up, and I guess Brian Kendrick got hurt. It's nice to see that Brian Kendrick didn't get cut. That's not a joke. Legitimately, I would not have been super surprised if they had. So, Raquel's in the back near the locker. She's still mad at Dakota Kai. I'm not sure why she didn't just keep hitting her if she was so mad at her. She says um, she needs to get her hands on Dakota still. She wants a street fight with Dakota Kai. I don't know if that's next week. I would love to stop watching these two fight each other, but whatever. I guess we're doing it one more time. Cut to outside. Grayson is outside by L.A. Knight's car and uh, says this is going to be a real highlight moment. There appears to be a woman in the car now. I don't know if that's the same woman from, from the other week. Either way, he gets in the car, starts it, and drives off. It's then revealed that L.A. Knight is laid out on the other side of the car, having been attacked. Again, Grayson Waller, really fun. L.A. Knight feels like he could be a bigger deal than he is, but... He is featured in a storyline, so I'll take it. Main event, Braun Breaker versus Roderick Strong. Really fun match. Braun is really, really fun to watch, and Roderick Strong is excellent in the ring. It is easy to forget. Malcolm Bivens at ringside. Braun pins Roderick Strong clean in the middle of the ring. Apparently, this match was non-title, which is weird because when they sold it last week, Malcolm Bivens said that there was no weight limits anymore, which indicated to me... That if the champion, Roderick Strong, challenged Braun Breaker, I assumed that to mean it was for the cruiserweight title. Otherwise, why would you challenge somebody if you're the cruiserweight champion? But apparently this was non-title, so there wasn't super a point to it. But at least it's over, I guess. Nothing says this dude's an important cruiserweight champion and good leader of a faction like losing a meaningless we need to we need to get Braun away from Champa for one more week. Let's throw Roderick Strong at him, like having your champ pinned in the middle of the ring. Uh, again, cruiserweight title doesn't mean anything. Didn't do anything for Braun except he had a fun match with Strong, and it certainly didn't do anything for Roderick Strong, who's just a dork who just lost now. So he'll go challenge somebody else, I guess. So I don't. Again, I don't know what the point was of this except I thought it was that they didn't want to do Champa Braun Breaker right away so they were going to go off and do a mini feud with Braun and, and Strong uh, but then I find out it is a not a cruiserweight title match 
They have a pretty short match, and Braun wins convincingly, meaning that there is no reason to revisit that match. And then we cut back to the ring, and Champa's there. He hits Braun with that second rope DDT onto the NXT title. He says at War Games, he leans over him and says, At War Games, you won the battle. Well, this holds up the title is the war. He says, Welcome back to the deep end. So now it in fact is going to be Braun Breaker and Champa going into another feud for the NXT title. So I, again, don't understand why we couldn't have just done this last week. Now, last week, what you did not see at the end of the show was that Champa came out and sat in the ring with Johnny Gargano. Um, Kyle O'Reilly was there too. And they sat in the ring. They soaked up the moment. And so Champa did that. So I don't know if they had to keep Champa off TV for that reason or what had to happen. It seems like you could have done both of these last week. I do not understand what the point is of stretching it out one more week, but whatever. We stretched it out for one week and devalued the Cruiserweight Championship even more, um, which I'm certainly not mad about. I don't care. Nobody cares. But now again, it will be Champa and Braun Breaker, and I've said it before. I am 100% fine with Braun getting another Shot at that title. Champa barely beat Braun. It took everything Champa had. And then at War Games, Braun Breaker pinned Tommaso Champa in that War Games match. And if you pin the champion, WWE doesn't always go by these rules, but if you pin the champion, you should get a title shot. And so Braun is obsessed with the NXT title. He pinned the champion. He should get another match. That being said, if we're doing this title match again, you better have Braun Breaker win because if he loses again to Champa, I promise you he's going to feel like not a big deal anymore. It doesn't matter that he's new, doesn't matter that Champa's established, doesn't matter that Champa should have the advantage here cuz he's more experienced. Braun will feel like a loser if he loses again. So, next time this match happens, I'm picking Braun Breaker because if you're doing it again, it has to be We'll find out more next week. That's it for NXT. One more time, on Twitter, you can find me at ZachNXT, at Z-A-C-H-N-X-T. Let me know, what do you think of Braun getting another title shot already? Who do you think wins if they fight each other? Let me know over there. In the meantime, that's it for NXT, so that's it for me. I have been Zachary Smith. You have been fantastic as always, and thank you for listening.